What's up, guys? Hope everybody had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend and took some time to reflect and be thankful for those that laid down their life in the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have the freedoms and liberties that we uh, so greatly enjoy. In today's episode, we are going to be tackling some very difficult questions, some things that uh, a lot of churches and Christians don't ever get a chance to look at or talk about, and yet it's a very real thing, especially in our society today. One of those questions is, what if I told you I no longer believe in God? Hey guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application, where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. So before we get started here, just the quick reminders, right? Follow us, twitter.com, facebook.com, Instagram, and definitely, definitely check out our YouTube channel. All of these, you can find us, Breadbreakers, in most iterations. Just search for that. Also, the website, breadbreakers.com. Do not forget to go there. Lots of great information. So we like uh, staying in contact with folks. Podcast at breadbreakers.com is the place to go if you have any questions or would like to uh, suggest topics and things of that nature. Again, podcast at breadbreakers.com. So a uh, last year in, in August time frame, I uh, preached a message entitled when faith is shipwrecked. And at that time, the um, a couple of folks had been kind of recent in the news, and uh, Marty Sampson was one of them, and Joshua Harris, and both of them had, you know, they'd, they'd come out and said, you know, they, they were struggling with their belief in God, or did, you know, didn't believe, you know, the Christian faith any longer, this kind of thing. And um, I, I talked at length about that. You can go check that out. We have that, I think, on the YouTube channel. Um... And, uh, and again, we, we find in the news recently that John Steingard, John Steingard, now if you don't know who that is, he is uh, kind of the leader of the band Hawk Nelson, and they are a, a, a Christian, um, Christian rock band. I mean, he's he's a lead singer. I mean, I, again, I'm not sure how they you know look at it. it's like who's the the leader of this band, but anyway, um, lead singer Christian rock band Hawk Nelson, right, came out on Instagram and basically said, "I don't believe in God anymore." And what I want to do is I want to go through his his post. And just kind of like read through it and, and, and listen to the heart of this person who is definitely struggling with some things and has some legitimate questions and all of this, but it, it really falls in line with the the teaching that I did in reference to Josh Harris and Marty Sampson. Um, here's an here's an, just a quick assessment of of some of the things that I believe play into um, 
this this whole scenario. I'm going to go through a couple of these things, and and then we'll dive into the post itself, and then we'll uh, we'll actually talk about some recent questions I've gotten from people uh, here at the church. Um, but but first, let's talk a little bit um, my overall assessment of what is driving some of this. Now, I mean, if there's interest, I, I certainly can go through more of these in depth, more detail. Um, if if people out there are actually interested, but but each of these is a topic in and of itself. Okay, but the first one is materialism. I really think the strong push for materialism in this country and in Western culture uh, more broadly leads to a lot of a lot of what's happening here. It leads to a lot of what's happening here. Um, the materialism, of course, you know, all the, you know, the, the stuff I can get, you know, the money and the, you know, the fame and the, you know, this kind of stuff, it leads to a lot of, you know, it, it can lead to a lot of negative things. Uh, one of them is, I believe, it helps people to be much more egocentric, not necessarily walking around, you know, just full of pride and bursting with ego necessarily, but more of the true essence of ego or egocentrism where, I mean, the world kind of revolves around me, right? I mean, the, the kind of, you know, everybody gets a participation, participation trophy um, because we don't want anybody to feel bad. Um, we want everybody to feel, you know, worth and all this. And, and what that does in a child is not just the good thing of, hey, we want you to make, you know, we want you to feel good. We want you to feel like you matter and you have worth. But what it can also do is make that child feel like, yeah, the, the universe revolves around me. Look, I, I showed up for a game, didn't practice at all, got the same trophy as this other dude over here, right? Or we, or we play games. Look, when they're four and five years old, whatever. But I mean, you know, you get older, it's good to keep score. Why not keep score in a game? So people can see, yeah, you know, there's a thing called winning. There's a thing called losing. You need to be able to, you need to learn how to win graciously and lose graciously, right? How do you do that if you don't really have winners and losers? Um, it just doesn't, you know, again, trying to make people feel good to the point. And I think a lot of that stems from the materialism, the egocentrism, right? Um, we, you know, I, I love ordering something on Amazon and it's there like, you know, same day, <laughs> you know, next day, two days is okay. Like, that's a long wait, but I'll do it. Right. But if you think about the way our society is moving, it helps to reinforce the materialistic and egocentric nature that is kind of bubbling over. Um, Burger King had, you know, they've, they've gone through a number of slogans and stuff. They used to have, you know, they had a slogan your way right away. Right. Or have it your way. And I think they went to one that was, you know, be your way. Be your you, right? Be the best you you can be. Be, You know, what about striving for a, some ideal that maybe that's not you, you, but that really is how you, you should want to be, right? No, 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 no. And this gets to the third thing. You got materialism, egocentrism, relativism right? Your truth, my truth, you know, your truth is for you and that you be the most authentic you that you can be. What if somebody's an authentic, uh, murderer? Do, do you want them to be the most authentic them? No, you want them to live up to a different ideal, right? We can all get behind that, but what if that, that goes to more than just things like crime. Okay. Um, there, 
this this stuff all leads to you know th- other things like pathetic churches right churches that what do they do instead of glorifying god and making things about god and we need to you know we we god is a loving father god has shown us right the love of what a family should be the love of uh, you know of what the church should be and and all of this yes 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 but but don't forget Jesus who was the very picture of love fashioned a whip kicked over tables don't forget Jesus who was the picture of love also pointed his finger at people that he just forgave and said now go and quit your sinning right meaning i know you're a sinner you have sinned don't deny it right <laughs> and go and quit he pointed his finger at people and said, "You're religious. Your 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 religion and 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 your man-made traditions. They're they're disgusting to me. I mean, this is Jesus, the picture of love. Set half the stuff he said. We if we said it, we'd be mean bullies. Okay, and so you have pathetic churches that do nothing but gather people together under the banner of materialism, egocentrism, and relativism. Right? It's all about you. Oh, you want to go to this church down the road simply because they have a better kids club." I mean, that's ridiculous. Have a kids' club, that's great, but shouldn't the number one thing be if it's authentic worship there, be if truth is actually preached, does the Spirit actually move, is God anywhere in the building? But you have pathetic churches who hide away from, hide from truth, don't call out sin, don't deal with real issues, don't speak relevantly. And I don't mean relevant like, hey, hipster, uh, never really talk about stuff, but just be relevant. I mean... Right, I don't mean like you know, drop words like Amazon and your you know, or the latest you know, oh oh, oh check him out, isn't he cool? He used a Game of Thrones reference or something. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not you know, pop culture weaving in some pop culture. Oh, he's cool. That's not what I mean. What I mean is deal deal with things for real, like the issue of fatherless homes, the issue of single parenthood. These are real issues that we don't just need to, you know, quote a Bible verse and move on and, you know, talk ethereal way up here in the ideal realm and never where people actually are. Churches need to get their their hands dirty in the trenches, working with people, loving people, and dealing with, you know, big questions. Somebody has a question about God. Somebody has a question about whether the Bible is actually accurate. Somebody has a question about, you know, the churches should deal with this stuff. They should not just, oh, quote a Bible verse and shut up and quit questioning God. You don't find that in the Scripture. You don't, you don't find that as an approach that God ever endorses. And so why do churches do this? Because, you know, again, let's just get the biggest crowd we can. Let's make it a rock concert um, centered around Jesus instead of drugs, maybe. And uh, have a pep talk, you know, a little TED talk um, that uses the Bible instead of some, you know, f- book of philosophy or something. And, and what it is, again, I've said this before, Churches turn into nothing more than a concert plus a TED Talk, okay? that That's all they become. It's like a gym membership. You pay your dues as the offering is passed, and we make sure everything is all about you, and you're comfortable here, and you love it here, and you come back next week. That's pathetic, and it feeds into the notion, okay, that it's A, all about me, and B, there's nothing actually real, okay? And this also... St- helps to cause things like scientism to arrive. So here are the things that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. Materialism, egocentrism, relativism, scientism, and pathetic churches. If I had an ism on that, I would have thrown that in there, but I couldn't think of an ism that, that really 
really drew out the pathetic churches that I wanted to, talk, to mention. And what's scientism, right? There's nothing wrong with science. Science is amazing. Science is powerful. Science is just rock solid. Uh, science is from God. Science is not denigrated in the in the Bible. It, rather, false science is. The Bible talks about things that are called science, but they really are not. But there, there, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing in the Bible or in believing in God that is contradictory to science. And yet, um, scientism is sort of this, uh, you know, science is everything belief, and that is dangerous because science does not hold the answer to everything. It holds lots of answers, but not the answer to everything. But many of these guys um, that get out and really are propagators of this, this way of thinking, you can, I mean, you can hear the church hurt coming out of them. Most of the time, you can hear, you know, they're not out there railing against all, uh, lots of other false ideas and false notions, but they, they will rail against God, and specifically the Christian God. You know, many of these guys will absolutely go to bat against Christianity, but you don't hear them out there, you know, really railing against Islam. Some of them might, but certainly not nearly as much. Uh, What's the deal with that? Because, again, it's a certain culture and a certain background that a lot of these guys have. And I feel terrible for it, again, under the heading of pathetic churches, right? People are raised up. They've got great minds. They've got—and churches, instead of cultivating that and loving them and showing them, you know, the right way, just kind of beat the Bible uh, into them, do as I say— Maybe, you know, some of these folks were, who knows, molested as kids by a priest or, um, you know, by a, by a pastor or somebody that was supposed to, you know, who, there's, there's all kinds of things. I know people that are, are church hurt. I've personally had experiences in my life where people that were supposed to be goods, people are supposed to be in leadership in God, turned out to be vile and wicked in, in their behavior. Um, but I didn't ascribe that to God. I ascribed that to their men. They've obviously gone away from God, and they're wicked, <laughs> and, but that's always been the case. And so, here we go. We are going to dive into, into uh, John Steingart, and, and again, materialism, egocentrism, relativism, scientism, pathetic churches. Listen to this person. Listen to his plea. Listen to what he's saying, this Instagram post. This is not a post I ever thought I would write, but now... I feel like I really need to. I've agonized over whether to say this publicly, and if so, how to do it. But I now feel that it's less important how I do it, and more more important that I do it. So here goes. After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band, and having the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life, I'm now finding that I no longer believe in God. I no longer believe in God. The last few words of that sentence were hard to write. I still find myself wanting to soften that statement by wording it differently or less specifically, but it wouldn't be as true. So, first set of commentary here, okay? This person is a, grew up in a pastor's home and grew up knowing, you know, what it is to be a, and he has Christian in, in quote, the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life, right? His idea of Christianity stemmed from this, his experience. So, 
you can see already some of that be your authentic you stuff kind of starting to come out, right? It's just, it's so important that I come out and do this, you know, publicly and come out and <clears throat> again, we'll see a lot of this stuff come out, but 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 you see here, right? That he struggled with this and he says agonized over this and is coming from a Christian background. Not only throwing Christianity out the door, but but God in general. So I don't believe in God at all. So gone from Christianity specifically to atheism. On we go. The process of getting to that sentence has been several years in the making. It didn't happen overnight, or all of a sudden it's been more like pulling on the threads of a sweater and one day discovering that there is no more sweater left. I have been terrified, to be honest, about this publicly for quite some time. Because of all that I thought I would lose. I'm still scared, but I'm writing about this now for a few reasons. Firstly, I simply can no longer avoid it. Processing this quietly felt right when I simply had doubts. But once they solidified into a genuine point of view, it began to feel dishonest not to talk about it. Okay? So, in talking about it, right, if you think about this, right, this has been festering. This has been, but he's, he's been holding it in. Holding it in. And then when it's time to talk about it, it's no, it's not, hey, I have these serious questions. I had some serious doubt. Let's go to some people and ask these serious questions, get some answers, ponder it, think about it. No, it's it goes from not talking about it at all, just letting it fester, to now I'm coming out, but I'm coming out as an atheist. Interesting. So here on we go. Secondly. I've had private conversations with trusted friends about my doubts and discovered to my absolute shock that they are shared by nearly every close friend my age who also grew up in the church. I'm stunned by the number of people in visible positions within Christian circles that feel the same way as I do. Like me, they fear losing everything if they're open about it. I hope that my openness and transparency can be an encouragement to them and to you if you feel the same. Thirdly, I've got a whole lot less to lose now. The band isn't playing shows or making new music at the moment, and we've all found other work and careers to focus on uh, for the time being. In order to make sure I'm able to keep providing for my family, that had to be the case before I could be totally honest. And that fact is one of the issues I have with the church and Christian culture in general. So so let's go to right materialism and egocentrism. I mean, come on. Again, I, I, these are honest questions. I'm glad he's being honest, but wait a minute. It wasn't until kind of financially he was secure and set, and now all of a sudden he's got this burning, agonizing, he said agonizing desire. He's got to get this out. It wasn't agonizing when that was his bread and butter. That somehow was, now it was okay to kind of live this, you know, relativistic I don't really believe this stuff, but I'm going to sing about it, and I'm going to do all this stuff. I mean, come on. Seriously? Seriously? Now, and this is why I believe 100% that he feels this way, but this is not the actual truth. The actual truth certainly sounds more like, I've had some doubts, but I didn't want to come out with it because I was making a bunch of money off of being a Christian. And now that I'm not, well, you know, I can go ahead and come out with it. On he goes. 
If you're someone who follows me because of Hawk Nelson and my involvement in Christian music, you're probably thinking, wait, were you lying to me this whole time? Were you just pretending to be a Christian? What about all those songs you wrote? Did you mean those? The short answer is that I was not lying. I did believe those things at the time. I may have been pulling on the threads of the sweater, but there was still some sweater left back then. So what did this sweater thread pulling process look like then? Okay, let's get into it. I grew up in a loving Christian home. My dad was a pastor and still is. And as far back as I can remember, life was all about the church. It was our community. It was our family. Okay, let's stop right there. Well, that sounds really nice. You've got community. You've got family. He's growing up in a privileged home. Okay. Um, I, I don't know about you know monetarily and stuff like that, but if you've got, look, you've got a, a good family situation. If you've got a, uh, now again, I'm so I'm just reading this post and going on. Maybe he'll get into a paragraph later and talk about how he was molested at his home. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so it sounds good so far. Maybe he's a little sheltered. But, okay, let's keep reading. It feels important to point out that church wasn't something we went to once a week. It was more like something we came home to as often as possible. After bravely venturing out into, quote-unquote, the world when necessary. It wasn't part of our life. It was our life. When you grow up in a community that holds a shared belief, and that shared belief is so incredibly central to everything you simply adopted, everyone I was close to believed in God, accepted Jesus into their hearts, prayed for signs and wonders, and participated in church, youth groups, conferences, and ministry. So, I did too. I became interested in music, began playing and singing on worship teams, and started leading worship at church and youth events. Even then, I remember being uncomfortable with certain things. Okay, let's get into some of the certain things. Praying in public always felt like some kind of weird performance art. I'm going to stop right there. I can agree. Sometimes praying in public is awkward. I've been to prayer events and different things, and, and, and there are times where there is no doubt in my mind that it abs- some people's praying absolutely is performance art. right? But, but again, what does that have to do about the, the reality? I mean, there, there's fake prayers, right? There's fake prayers. Okay, yeah, believe it, 100%. Let's keep going. Emotional cries such as, Holy Spirit, come fill this place, always felt clunky and awkward, leaving my lips. A youth conference I attended encouraged every teen to sign a pledge that they would date Jesus for a year. It felt manipulative and unsettling to me, so I didn't sign it. Okay, that's great. You didn't sign it. Um, You know, they asked you to pledge to, you know, date Jesus for a year and not think about boys, girls, whatever. Okay. But again, right? Oh, there's no manipulation elsewhere, all only in the church. I mean, that again, let's <sighs> Holy Spirit come in this place or whatever it was, right? Just felt clunky and awkward. So, don't say it. <laughs> I mean, let's keep going. I figured I was overthinking all these things. Yes, I would agree. Uh, this was the beginning of my doubt, and I began to develop the reflex to simply push it down and soldier on. After all, everyone I knew and loved believed in God, Jesus, and the Bible. So I felt it must be true. So, Again, see see what he's saying here? You felt clunky and awkward saying, Holy Spirit, fill this place, um, or praying in public, and so that made you doubt the Bible and God? That doesn't even follow. That is a non-sequitur. Okay, that means it does not follow. <laughs> okay? Again, this is the beginning of... But, but again, like I said about weak churches or, or churches that don't foster an atmosphere, ask questions. And I'll talk about that at the end here. Ask questions. 
What, what you you should have a place where you can be comfortable asking questions. Oh, everybody I know believed in God. So does doesn't mean you you can't ask a question, does it? Okay, so here we go. At the age of twenty, I joined Hog Nelson, began touring with the band. It was a blast. Our music wasn't overly Christian, but as time went on, we became more outspoken about our faith and our music. To be fair, I was one of the loudest voices pushing for that shift because I believed it would lead to more success in the Christian music world. Okay, let's stop right there. He's already said, already said, that basically the only reason he's coming out right now is that financially it's okay for him to do so. Okay, now he, and I, and again, I, I am just reading this just now. I'm, I haven't pre-read this and, and pre-made comments or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm seeing this and going, oh, okay. He was pushing for it because I, and then, no, not because I really had a strong faith in Christ or anything like that. No, I felt like it would it would lead to more success. So at this point in the in the in the post, I'm I'm going to say that his relationship wasn't really with Christ. He never really actually was a quote unquote Christian. Okay, this is the problem with a lot of pathetic churches. They they don't train people to be in relationship with Jesus, they train them to be quote-unquote Christians. There is no quote-unquote, okay? In the Bible, when they were called Christians, it was because they were in strong relationship with Jesus Christ, and they emanated Christ in their behavior, in their beliefs. It wasn't because I grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home and went to a quote-unquote Christian church. (laughs) So let's go on. When I became the lead singer and main songwriter in 2012, this shift was fully realized. We went from singing songs like Bring Em Out to songs like Drops in the Ocean. Google the lyrics. The difference is not subtle. Even through this shift, there were still many things about Christian culture that made me uncomfortable. In fact, the list was growing. There were things that just didn't make sense to me. Okay, let's let's find out what they are. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? Great question. Great theologians who never lost their faith have asked that exact question. Can he not do anything about it? Great question. Does he choose not to? Excellent question. Is the evil in the world a result of his desire to give us free will? Okay, then. What about famine and disease and floods and all the suffering that isn't caused by humans and our free will? If God is loving, why does he send people to hell? My whole life, people always said, you have to go back to what the Bible says. I found, however, that consulting and discussing the Bible didn't answer my questions. It only amplified them. Now, I'm, I'm just going to call baloney on that. Okay, I'm sorry. Going back to the Bible with honest questions and seeking out okay, people to discuss these things with won't answer any... Now, you may not like the answer, and that's where I think some of this comes from. You don't like the answer. You don't like the answer, and so the the question wasn't answered. Well, really, that that that's not that the question wasn't... It's like a prayer, right? Oh, God never answered my prayer. Yeah, he did. Maybe he told you no. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, we pray, and we don't get what we ask for, because God isn't... You know, he's not Santa Claus. I've had things happen, and I've wanted things, and I've... You know, question why not? Why God? I mean, the answer was no. Um, but but we see this, and we see the egocentrism kind of starting to 
it, it, and maybe not egocentric to just John Steingard, but it centers around man. It centers around people. We are the we are the center of the universe, not God. We. It's all about us. These questions are great questions, but to go to the Bible and see what it says about it and not like those answers and then continue to question really tells me you didn't like the answer. And so it's not so much that you're pondering questions, it's that you're struggling with, well, I have an answer that I would prefer. Okay? Because these are great questions. I feel like they're, they're wonderful questions that people should be asking and churches should be addressing. And if they're not, like I said, they're pathetic. So let's go on. What does he say in the next paragraph? Why does God seem so, uh, I'll say ticked off. I don't like to say that word. <laughs> off in most of the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden, he's a loving father in the New Testament. Why does he say not to kill, but then instruct Israel to turn around and kill men, women, and children to take the promised land? Why does God let Job suffer horrible things just to win a bet with Satan? Why does he tell Abraham to kill his son, more killing again, and then basically say, just kidding, that was a test? Why does Jesus have to die for our sins? More killing again. If God can do anything, can't he forgive without someone dying? I mean, my parents taught me to forgive people. Nobody dies in that scenario. Once again, this entire paragraph is mostly, right, he doesn't like the way things are done, the way God has set things up, and he doesn't have a whole lot of understanding about the difference between you shall not kill as in commit murder, and I have judged these people, these sinful people, you know, throwing their babies into the fire, they have not repented. They have not listened to me. And so I am going to place judgment on them. He doesn't seem to get that. Or maybe he does and just doesn't like it, which is totally fine. But, 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 but there's, a, there's an element of dishonesty there, right? And again, getting back to the materialistic, egocentric, right? It's all about me, even the relativism where, well, my truth. I like, I like my way of doing things. Okay, so I don't know his thoughts on capital punishment. Maybe he doesn't believe capital punishment at all. Maybe he doesn't believe in punishment for crime whatsoever. Should you punish crime? Right? These are the kinds of things you got to start thinking about, right? Deeper thoughts than I no longer have the money aspect. I don't like these things about God. Therefore, I don't believe in God. It needs to go deeper than that. It just it has to go deeper than that. He goes on, I was raised to believe that the Bible was the perfect word of God. Sure, it was written by human beings, but those people were divinely inspired, and we can consider the words they wrote to be the word of God. I began to have questions and doubts about that. Totally fine. I've had questions and doubts about that. Haven't you? I mean, <laughs> haven't most people? Um, he goes on, it seemed like there were a lot of contradictions in the Bible that didn't make sense. I don't I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, so I'll leave the details for another time. Okay, so huge statement. The Bible has contradictions, but I have no examples. Not even one super big example, okay? Unless he's talking, God told people, don't be killing each other, but then I, God, the giver of life, have the right to judge people and say, take theirs. That's the, I mean, if that's the level of contradiction, then I would say we're on safe ground, at least in believing that the, word is, that the Bible is the Word of God. Suffice it to say, he goes on, 
that when I began to believe that the Bible was simply simply a book written by people as flawed and imperfect as I am, that was when my belief in God truly began to unravel. So again, right, it's about me. These people are just like me, okay? And I don't really have to, you know, go by what they say. I can just read into the Bible any kind of contradictions or things that I, that I want to, and don't really have to worry about believing or adhering to any of this stuff, or certainly not submitting to the fact that God is God and I am not. He goes on, During a vacation to Mexico with my wife's family, I had a revealing conversation with my father-in-law, who is also a pastor. Like my dad, he's a loving father. He's patient, sincere, and believes in God with all his heart. I was asking about a verse in 1 Timothy that seems really oppressive of women. It indicates that women shouldn't be in church leadership, shouldn't teach men, and shouldn't wear their hair in braids. To me, that seemed less like the message of the loving God that most Christians believe in now, and more like the idea, the ideas that would have been present in the culture at the time, a male-dominated society where women were treated less like equals and more like property. Uh, again, right, I mean... Women were treated like property, and yet the Bible says for husbands to love their wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Really? Like, I, I'm just thinking of that right off the—I mean, I haven't even, again, looked at this, studied this, we're trying to rebut this, none of it. I'm just reading it for the first time right now. But that—I mean, huh? My father-in-law asked me if— I had been reading the King James Version because he felt that King James had put his own spin on a lot of things and that version couldn't fully be trusted. Well, fully be trusted? I mean, I would say more like the wording could go one way or the other. And this is why, like I just said, that scripture or scriptures that look like women are property versus scriptures like the other, most of those scriptures could be read one way or the other. And then in light of a verse, let's say you have a verse that, that it looks like it, it's saying that women are property. It could go that way, but the other way, I mean, no, it could be that that's not necessarily the case, but this, there's an order of things in the church or whatever, that God just has an order of accountability or whatever. It, it could go one way or the other. And then you have another verse that says, you should be treating your wife as good as you treat your own body. You should be loving your wives like Christ loved the church. Okay? Now you go back to the other scripture, that could go one of two ways. Which way is it? <laughs> Clearly, he's not saying women are property, right? So I would agree. Uh, I, I recommend the King James Version not be the main version that most new people read because it's just not that readable because we don't speak, you know, that Elizabethan-type English anymore, okay? And then he goes on. You have to go back to the original Greek, he said. This was the father-in-law telling him this. This is something I've heard a lot over the years. I asked him, so it sounds like you believe that the modern translations can't fully be trusted because uh, they are human, flawed, and imperfect? I'm simply taking that thought to its next natural conclusion, that the original Greek is also human, flawed, and imperfect, and also can't fully be trusted. Well, no, right? Because when you translate a translation, right, if there if there is a truth that this is trying to convey, and then three and four different iterations later, as people use different adjectives or nouns or things that kind of mean the same thing, but maybe not exactly the same thing. No, you could definitely have different possibilities. And this is why the, the Bible should be taken as a whole and viewed and studied in let it let it 
describe itself, okay? Again, when he said that about women, I can give you verses in Ephesians, Colossians, right, that say this about husbands and wives, and that completely obliterates any idea that the Bible is saying that women are just nothing but chattel, okay, or property, okay? So he goes on to say, he replied, the father-in-law replied, well, if you believe that, what do you have left? I said, exactly. That just doesn't, maybe that, I mean, I, again, what's the father-in-law's take on this conversation? I don't know. But if your whole thing is, well, what do you have left then? That's not a very good argument. So, I mean, again, right, I do think it, it behooves Christians, not every single Christian. I mean, I, I, think, I think some of these questions should be pondered and they should be asked. And if a pastor or a leader or somebody doesn't have the answer, they should go and study and, and do some due diligence because these are the kinds of questions that people are going to be asking in our society. And that's totally fine, right? And it stems from the egocentrism, the scientism, the, the relativism, right? This happens. And yeah, we need to be ready with an answer. Um, not, well, what do you have left? I mean, we, well, we have to hold on to the Bible, so what do you have left if you start seeing it that way? Oh, that's a great reason to believe the Bible. If that's the truth, I'll gladly burn every Bible I have. I mean, what? No. Um, so he goes on, once I found that I didn't believe the Bible was the perfect word of God, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure he was there at all. That thought terrified me. It sent me into a tailspin. The implications of that idea were absolutely massive. Well, uh, I don't know that e even if the Bible's not true, again, that seems kind of a leap to if the Bible isn't true, so Christianity may not be quite, you know, the, the one way or whatever, but therefore the entire universe was an accident, we're all just, you know, no different than a piece of uh, broccoli or an ape. Um, that, that, that's a big stretch. Why would he jump to such a conclusion? I'll tell you why, because there are loud voices out there, voices of scientism and these types of things, and this is what he's hearing. That's why, okay? Because the natural conclusion of something isn't necessarily, well, Christianity is not true, therefore no God. What about Christianity is not true, but mm, maybe I should explore some other religions or something and see, you know, what they've got going on, because the, the jump to everything just by chance and accident and all that, that seems really in insane. Nope, that's not what he said, right? <laughs> so, he goes on. I began to ask myself, what now? Over the past year, I've occasionally mentioned publicly my struggles with depression. This is what really kicked that off. What do you do when the rug is pulled out from under your feet? When you find yourself no longer believing the thing at the core of how you see yourself and see the world, what do I teach my own children? If I'm honest about this, will all my Christian friends abandon me? Will this alienate me from my own family? Will this leave me with nothing? Those are the questions that led me into a very dark place for a while. And I would say questions that are legitimate, right? I, I le forget leaving the faith. I left a church and, you know, quote-unquote lost family, friends, you know, th these types of things. It, believing pretty much the exact same thing they do, just not sitting my behind on the same chair uh, across the way as them. Okay, so I know full well what it can be like in religious circles, religious people, okay? They're, they're, you know, small minds and yet loud voices, okay? I, I totally understand that. But again, what does that have to do between you and God, though? He goes on, I feel like I've mostly emerged from the dark place now because I've discovered that life really does go on. I've trusted friends that know this about me and love me anyways. Well, everybody should love you anyway. What, what is that? Again, why... why right? 
pathetic churches, maybe pathetically strong, overbearing churches, right? Not loving somebody because they have questions about God, not loving somebody because they don't believe in God. I mean, why, why would that, why would your love for someone, right, change based on that? God still loves them. <laughs> I mean, right, he goes on, my family is showing me incredible love and support, even though I know this, this grieves them. While I know I can no longer stand on stage and in a good conscience sing songs like Drops in the Ocean. I no longer fear losing my place in Christian music. I know this means giving it up voluntarily. Of course, we know that he already was honest in the beginning, and I'm glad he was honest that really it's, it's a monetary thing. Um, he goes on, I'm ready to be transparent and open. I think that open part is key. I'm open to the idea that God is there. I'd prefer it if he was. I suspect if he is there, he is very different than what I was taught. I know my parents pray that God reveals himself to me. If he's there, I hope he does. Now, I would say probably. He probably is very, very different than what you were taught. Okay, just because you grew up in church doesn't mean you grew up in a church that tre- that teaches the truth. Just because they have some truth doesn't mean they have enough truth to get you through this kind of thing. Okay? So totally there, totally get it, totally, totally, you know, with you on that. Doesn't sound like he's, you know, quite an atheist, though, a more agnostic, maybe, because if he's open to the idea of God, you know, he's just kind of, you know, questioning his Christianity and, and his Christian beliefs, um, then okay, that makes sense. Um, and then he says, until then, I feel like the best thing I can do is be honest, stepping away from belief in God has felt like a loss in some ways, but it's felt like freedom in others. Well, let me just say this, okay? If you have restraints on your life and constraints on your life because of your belief in God, and then you stop believing in God, you are going to have freedom. But is it good freedom, right? Is it a good kind of freedom? Mm. (laughs) So then he goes on, Jess and I both always had this sense that we weren't doing enough of the things we were supposed to do as Christians. We didn't enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy praying. We didn't enjoy worship. It felt like an obligation, and our lack of enthusiasm about those things always made us feel like something was wrong with us. Now, two things on this. One, worship is an act of, you know, outward sacrifice that we do, right? Worship, you know, I is it Romans 12, you know, talks about, you know, your your bodies as a living a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Um, yeah, worship isn't necessarily supposed to be fun for you. Um, the other things, right? Again, getting back to the egocentrism, getting back to the relativism. It's about me-ism, right? That's kind of the point. And again, pathetic churches help to reiterate this point. It's all about you, right? We sing songs or lovey, gushy, and I'm fine with, you know, some of the, some of these songs, but not if the message starts to become, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. God did everything, you know, just about me, about me, about me. And that's exactly what happens in many of these churches, pathetic churches. And I think they need to wake up and realize what they're doing to people. Guys like John Steingard probably has talents given to him by God, probably has an anointing on his life. I don't really know. I don't really listen to Hawk Nelson, but uh, and, and that maybe they're a great band. Maybe I'll go look, listen to them now. <laughs> um, but th- this is the thing. I, I, although I think I have heard drops in the ocean. Um, but, but, but this is the thing, right? The other thing is we didn't go enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy praying. It sounds like you never really had a relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's like saying, well, I never really enjoyed talking to my wife. Wow. Okay. 
right? But but can I really say, but I tried having a loving marriage? No, you didn't. <laughs> what? You know what? Reading the Bible. Well, I mean, but did you did you look at it as, well, I've got to read the Bible, do this devotional as a chore, or were you trying to learn and grow and have a relationship with God? And this is what I'm saying. Okay, it sounds like he grew up in a religious atmosphere. Maybe it was a looser religious atmosphere. A lot of people think religion and they think of legalism and hardcore and all this. No, there's absolutely completely redonkulously religious places that are all about the love and the do whatever and everything, but they're still super religious. Okay? They're just not as legalistic in their religion. Uh, well, certain aspects of it, right? That maybe they're not legalistic in the outward adorning or whatever, but they're legalistic in other areas. And this is what happens. This is this is not coming from the heart of someone who had a deep relationship with Jesus Christ and now is losing their faith. This is somebody who was a cultural Christian. I haven't read the last four paragraphs, so I'll, maybe, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but this is a cultural Christian, someone who has been around Christianity they are, you know, are called a Christian, of course, but that is not true. That is not a true label. Just because someone goes to church on Sunday and listens to Christian music and labels himself a Christian does not mean they are a biblical Christian, okay? Way different things. He goes on, now, I don't believe anything was wrong with us. We simply didn't believe, and we were too afraid to admit that to ourselves. So, in that sense, we have a tremendous sense of relief now. I'm hoping that writing this contributes to that relief. As I've processed these thoughts and feelings over the past year or so, I've avoided writing online about matters of faith. I didn't want to pretend to believe anything I didn't believe, but I also didn't want to rock the boat. I am not sure how much this will rock the boat. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to rock the boat a lot, especially people who look up to Hawk Nelson and uh, John Steingart. I don't know... This will surprise anyone. It doesn't, frankly, surprise me. Uh, this is me, me, me speaking, not him. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all. This is a very normal thing in our culture because we have a lot of cultural Christians. We have whole churches. It's just cultural Christianity. That's all it is. We're in a blessed, you know, we're in a blessed country. You know, people see. I, I, I was getting a haircut one time, and the, the person cutting my hair was many, many years ago. The, the girl cutting my hair was like, yeah, you know, I don't really know, want to know, know what I want to do when I, you know, really kind of get, you know, go to college and really develop a career and stuff. I'm not really looking at hair as, the, as my career. You know, I thought about, she named like one or two things. And then she's like, I thought about maybe pastoring. And I'm listening to her going, are you kidding me? You're thinking of pastoring as like a vocation? Should I be a doctor, a uh, engineer? Should I hmm, maybe be a pastor? <laughs> Seriously? But that's cultural Christianity, folks. That's what he was. That's what he had. So yeah, it's going to rock the boat. He goes on, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that I finally worked up the courage to tell my story, to share my deepest truth, and that feels like freedom too. It's going to be 72 degrees here in San Diego today. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. No sweater needed. Well, nice, you know, metaphorical ending there. But, okay, San Diego, West Coast. That should tell you some things, okay? Nothing wrong with the West Coast. Like the West Coast. Been out to the West Coast. Been to San Diego, San Francisco, L.A., different places. But they are very, very liberal in their thinking. Very godless in their thinking, okay? Many, many, the cultural norm. Now, there's some great, you know, huge, great, ginormous churches out there, okay? Uh, isn't Saddleback Church in, in, uh, in California? I see, I don't know a lot about Christian... Uh, churches all over the globe. 
necessarily. <laughs> but because, um, I, again, I don't follow a lot of these, you know, pop culture churches and stuff. Because a lot of, and I, again, this is not, I, I named Saddleback, but I'm not saying they're in this boat. Okay. But I am saying that a lot of these churches, they're just cultural Christianity. They're businesses that are run on the on the engine of Bible, church, Jesus, you know, Christianity. But they're nothing more than a business, and they're doing nothing more than trying to get membership, get money, get popularity, grow, grow, grow. And this is what happens right here. You have p- people like John Steingart, who I'm sure is sincere and honest, that never developed a relationship with God, grew up in a pastor's home, and does not sound like where I, again I'm only going by what he posted but I see nothing in here about the you know the sacrifice that we ha- yeah we we have to die to ourselves where where is that at where is that at die to sin this is I mean this is nowhere in here and and this last couple of paragraphs I don't know if this will surprise anyone um you know <clears throat> what matters okay what matters is I've worked up the courage to tell my story, share my deepest truth, and that feels like freedom. Well, does that not sound like what I said at the beginning? Egocentrism? Materialism? Relativism? Right? I'm telling you, I'm hitting the nail on the head. There's probably more things that go into this, but these are huge cultural components Mixed with a decrepit, languid, pathetic, dying church. And you get probably an awesome guy that could be doing incredible things for Jesus Christ if he just had a relationship with Jesus. Just had a a, a support system around him to ask tough questions and get real answers. You know, I, I just, my heart goes out to John Steingart. It really does. As uh, in my message from, I mean, you know, last year, Josh Harris, Marty Sampson, similar stories. My heart just just breaks for these guys. I mean, just because this is where so many people are. And it is a function of all these cultural things. Yes, the world, the, 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 the spirit of the age and all this, but mixed with a broken church. A church that is not a church. You put a cross and quote a Bible verse and a business now becomes a church, right? When all they offer is a TED Talk plus a rock concert. I mean, that just, what a disservice. What a dis. And this, again, I'm not placing any judgment on, you know, the pastor who's a parent and all this stuff. No, I'm just, for all I know, that person doesn't know any better. I know people caught up in religion, they don't know any better. That's the system that they know. And it's not a, a total excuse, but it also is me understanding where they are, what's going on. Now, I'm here to tell you, that recently, I had a guy, a guy come to me with what he said were dark questions. You know, he was he was almost ashamed. You know, but I feel so honored. I, I feel so wonderful that as the pastor of the church, this person has, you know, the comfort level to come to me 
and, and, and tell me that he has these questions. His first question was about free free will, free choice. Big question. He mentions it. I think Marty Sampson maybe mentioned it. Um, and, you know, it had to do with he didn't choose to be born and, and, the, and these things. We talked and we talked through that and talked about it. And then he, he morphed into another question. He called it. He called a dark question, you know, a dark place that these were coming from. You know, if a loving, why is a loving God? You know, create hell, bad things. You know, I mean, so so again, all these are all great questions. They're questions that people ask. They're questions I ask. They're questions you should ask if you're a thinking person. Okay, I it, it, I would question the person who doesn't have these questions. Right? God is loving. God is all that. God is love and all of this. And then, wait, there, but there's hell. Right? But then, wait a minute. Bad things happen. Loving God. Why aren't we living in perfection? Why is there, you know? tornadoes that, that that tear through a, a neighborhood and kill you know small children I mean where you know where's God um you know job in the Bible right job had questions about you know God what is going on why am I going through this uh if you look at job and he mentions job in his in his Instagram post right? Job chapter 10, right? Job says, you know, does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? <clears throat> Whoa. <laughs> um, what? Whoa. What are you saying to God? But, but this is normal. He, he was going through the worst trial of his life. The Bible lets us know. I forget where it is in Psalm at this point, but uh, you know that God remembers that we're dust, right? David had times of questions where he, I mean, you can just see him almost shaking his fist and saying, you know, God, where are you? What in the world is going on? Um, it's normal. It's normal. And so we should have a, a culture where these things are normal. I don't think those were dark questions at all. I laugh. I mean, I, you know, not not laughed at uh, this person, but I was like, dude, these aren't dark questions. These are, these are real questions. These are the questions you sit down and actually have a conversation. When you're trying to have a relationship with Jesus, you have a conversation with him. And you say, what in the world is the deal with this? Right? And then you go and truly study the word. But when he answers, maybe we don't like the answer. We may not like the answer that, you know what, the world doesn't revolve around us. Maybe you don't like that answer, but at least you could be honest and say, well, I didn't like that answer, so Christianity is not for me. Okay. <laughs> doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it's not true. It just means you don't like it. I mean, that's that's fine, you know? And I don't think people should not love you because of that. But, again, you know, I, I just have to say, if you're in that boat, your questions are legitimate. Your questions are fair. Your, your questions should be asked. And I pray that you have someone to ask them to. And if you don't, podcast at breadbreakers.com. Feel free to reach out to us. Um, I may not know you, but your questions are legitimate, and you sh- truth should not be afraid of being challenged, because at the end of the day, truth will stand. And I pray right now for John Steingard and his family, because what is he going to teach his family? You know, what is he going to teach his kids? What bedrock is he going to go to? Oh, you shouldn't steal. Why? Well, it's just not, you know, kind of not good societally. Well, what if it's good for me and my family? You know, well, I mean, you shouldn't kill. Well, what if it, you know, benefits me to, you know, kill that guy over there? 
You know, if I'm just an animal, animals do it all the time. Well, you know, you just, I mean, okay, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You, you know, a thinking person can easily take that to extremes that nobody wants to think about. But that's, that's, that, it is true. It is true. Survival of the fittest, right? Oh, no, but not if, not if we, why? Why? <laughs> you know, these are the things that people don't want to, don't want to deal with, but there's no God, right? If there's no God, well, everything's permissible, right? So I am going to leave it there for now. I hope this has helped somebody. I really, uh, it would be awesome to sit down and talk to John Steingard, um, maybe help him and his family come to Christ for the first time in reality, right? Because just being a a, a quote-unquote Christian, going to church, being in a band, all that stuff does not mean you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate place that Christianity should lead you. And I pray that you listening to this, you are strengthened in your walk with Christ. If you have questions, again, they are legitimate, they can be asked, and keep asking them. But develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can assure you God is real, Jesus is Lord and King, and Bread Breakers is here for you to help lead you to the mighty God in Christ. Love you guys. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next podcast.